you know, I don't want to wait till I'm finished with school to have a child. I don't want to wait till I'm well into my parenthood to do certain things in my career. I want to do what I want to do all at the same time and I will make it work. Welcome to Work Like a Mother, sharing real conversations with inspiring women juggling work, life, and motherhood. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools, and today I'm really excited to chat with Dr. Lauren West Livingston. Lauren is an MD, PhD student at Wake Forest School of Medicine and a mother to joy. Hey. Hello. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I have a funny story to tell you oh, because okay. I was trying to get both boys down for their naps so that we wouldn't be interrupted during this. And everything was going so smoothly. And I thought, okay, good. I have time to take a shower and get all ready. (laughs) And as I'm getting into the shower, my toddler comes marching into the bathroom. He climbed out of his bed. He has this giant stuffed animal. And he says, I have to go pee. He's in the middle of learning to potty training. So I was like, of course, this is so appropriate, right? Like we're we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about motherhood, juggling all these things. Yeah. And that's literally what was happening in Uh the moment. Uh Uh, But thank you for making the time to, to be here and do this with us. Thank you for having me. I was looking through your Instagram feed and I cannot tell you how obsessed I am with this post that you have of you in the hospital with the laptop, your this huge smile, you're in labor. Yeah. Tell tell us the backstory of that photo, please. Yeah. So I actually um, was electively induced on my due date. Uh, it's kind of funny because the whole time I was pregnant, I'm like, I'm not going past 40 weeks. Like I rebuke this. The baby will be out of me by the due date. So it just, it wasn't necessarily planned. It just kind of worked out that they gave me the option to be induced. The date that they had available happened to be my due date. Um, so, and it's, my whole birth plan was like, like no Pitocin, natural birth, no IV. So of course that all went out the window with being mm-hmm. induced. Um, and so they kind of started all of the Pitocin, all of the different IV medications you get to help make you have the child. And so I was just kind of like, all right, cool, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can get done. Um, they communicated that usually it takes maybe 36 hours with an induced birth for the baby to come. Wow. So I just kind of was like, let me just go ahead and get some work done and try to be productive. Baby came in 12 hours. I did not finish what I was working on. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the best laid plans then are thrown, yeah. are thrown out the window. Exactly. And what is it that you were working on? You were working on something pretty important, right? Yeah, actually, at the time, I was working on a manuscript, which since has been published, accepted for publication. So that was really exciting. Um, I was, I just defended my um, doctoral dissertation the month before and was working on getting some of the chapters written up to send out for publication. So that was one of them. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And so you, so now where are you in that process for your PhD? Yeah, so I'm finished with the PhD. So my degree program is the dual MD PhD. So it's four years of med school and three years of PhD. But it's like two years of med school, then three years of PhD, then two more years of med school. So I'm done with PhD, back on the med school side. And you're smiling and you look (laughs) so well rested because if I'm doing the math correctly, 
I think your daughter is around the same age as my my youngest. Um, so about four months, almost yep. four months, maybe a little over four months, just past. Okay, just past four months. So they really are are quite close. Yeah. Um. So now you're back working. Yeah. So I'm back right now. I'm a third year medical student. So third year is kind of the year we have mandatory rotations in different areas. We can see everything from family medicine to emergency medicine to pediatrics. So I'm kind of in that groove of just seeing different types of patient care to decide what kind of doctor I want to be. That was going to be one of my questions is, do you know where you want to focus, but you're still figuring it out? Yeah, my, uh, my doctoral dissertation research was in vascular, vascular surgery. So that is really, really high on my list. Um, but I definitely want to go into everything with an open mind and really try on each career to see what I like. Now, we know you were working right up until the last minute of <laughs> giving birth. How, how was it working throughout your pregnancy? Yeah, so it was, it was pretty tough. Um, I was in the last year of my PhD, which, you know, in theory, sounds like you have more time because you're done with classes and you're finishing things up in writing but you're writing like hundreds and hundreds of pages and thinking of everything you've ever done and how you want to present that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was trying to, I definitely wanted to be finished and defend before the baby arrived. Uh, so it was stressful. I actually had some pretty bad morning sickness, not like hyperemesis, mm. but I remember in the first like 20 weeks, I'd be like in the lab, I'd like walk by a trash can, throw up real quick and then get back to work. Oh um, there was a time where I'd wake up at six and I'd have to go to the lab and just grinds because I'd be asleep by like 3 p.m. and just sleep through the night because I was so tired all the time. So it was tough. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty tough. What helped get you through those tough days? Um, I'm the kind of person I'm a lot more productive when I say busy. Um, so knowing mm -hmm. like kind of having it in my mind that I know that when I go into labor and when I give birth, that's going to be a busy time and I probably will not want to do a lot right before or right after. So just having that in my mind of like, okay, I have this deadline to meet. Um, you know, if I work really hard now, I can relax a little bit down the line instead of having to work what like having to go back and defend after having the baby. So I kind of mm -hmm. just motivated myself like this is the day that I want to be done by I have to work towards this. So. And did you always know that you wanted to be a doctor? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, there's this picture I love. It's me, I think, at like three or four with my stethoscope on a little fake one listening to like a doll. Um, my mom was a nurse, so I was always exposed to the medical field, and I always knew I liked medicine and science. Um, I did have some years in college where I'm like, maybe medicine and science aren't for me, but I eventually came back to it. Yeah, I was going to say, I was as you were saying that, I was thinking, but you were a Spanish yep. and Iberian <laughs> studies major, right? Like yeah. that's <laughs> that's definitely a different a different path. Oh yeah. Uh, and then after graduation, you you changed back to medicine. Yeah, so I like you said, I was a Spanish major, actually religion and psychology minor. Um, I got to go abroad. I really enjoyed studying the humanities in college. Um, I did one year of post-bac, which is like post-baccalaureate for people who either are changing their careers or want to get a higher GPA before they apply. And mm -hmm. during that time, when I was in college, I worked with research. But during that time, I didn't really do much research and I missed it. So I decided to go back for my master's in biochemistry. And I was trying to see, like, do I like medicine or do I want to do a PhD in research? And during that time, I kind of started to hear more about the MD-PhD and say, okay, that might be a good fit for seeing patients and doing research. And so, yeah, master's of biochemistry. And then after that, went into med school. Wow. You're such an inspiration, oh, truly. 
So you knew you always wanted to be in medicine. Did you also know, always know that you wanted to be a mom? Yeah. So I always, as long as I can remember, saw myself as a parent, I actually did not want to be married. And I'd even joke around. I was like, oh, you know, I'll just figure out how to, you know, raise my children on my own and I'll adopt or, you know, I'll, I'll just have my own children and I'll be a mom, but I will not be partnered with anybody. So that was kind of the, the change in the plan. I'm now married. So. But you knew you wanted to be a mom and did you have any expectations of what it was going to be like to juggle this demanding career and being a mom? Um, I, I think this is something that is more like hindsight is twenty twenty, and I've really realized recently. My mom um, was a single mother. She had my brother and I when she was getting her master's. So she finished up graduate school. She actually started or finished her PhD the year I started mine. So the con- like the concept of having a mom that works full time and is going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was just what I saw. So it was, it never was a question like, Oh, am I going to work and have kids? It's like, Oh, that's just what moms do. Cause that's what my mom did. So. Yeah. You had this role model. Yeah. Um, it, I have a funny story. My, my husband, when he was growing up, his, all of his pediatricians were women and he was traveling. The whole family was traveling. I, I want to say he was probably maybe like seven or something like that. So they're traveling and they had to go make an emergency like visit to a doctor. And the doctor was a man. And he says to my mother-in-law, oh, wow, men can be doctors too. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, it's such a great story. I was like, I have to remember that one because what a good, it's so much what you see and what you're exposed to and who your role models are growing up. Um, now, when did you go back to work after having your daughter? So I was actually supposed to start back on rotations two weeks after delivery. That was my two weeks. Day. Yeah, I was supposed to only have two weeks at home. And the plan was my partner had paid paternity leave. So he'd be at home with the baby and my mom would come help out. But I'd go right back in. Um, this was my first child. So I really didn't know what to expect. In retrospect, I could have done it, but it would have been very difficult Um, Mm -hmm. but with everything going on with, um, the pandemic, I ended up being at home for three months. So I gave birth in March and didn't go back to rotations till June. And we had online classes and online, uh, medical school, um, things that we had to complete, but I got to be in my house, which was, you know, for us, we're privileged to say that was an incredible time to be at home for us. Yeah, I can, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's, in some ways, a silver lining of the pandemic is being home, especially with a newborn. There are many challenges and you don't necessarily have access to the same like support systems that you do when you can leave the house and actually go places. But I found it really valuable to be at home, to be able to have my husband here to help. Um, and it's, it has made me feel very lucky and fortunate through, throughout all of this. Absolutely. Um, it was definitely a time where we took stock of all the privileges we have in terms of secure housing, secure income, and just that we got to spend time together and we had all the food mm-hmm. we needed, everything we needed. So we, we felt incredibly lucky during that time. Now, I feel like in motherhood, as I'm sure that you have already experienced, everyone has an opinion about your <laughs> decisions. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people had opinions about me going back to work so soon mm-hmm. after 
having my second son. Did people have advice for you when you said, I'm, I'm thinking about going back to work two weeks after giving birth? Yeah, advice is a nice way to put it. People have very, <laughs> people communicated very strong opinions about that. Um, some of my favorites, and by favorites, I do mean least favorites, uh, were, you know, how are, you know, your, is your child going to know you? Or how are you going to look your baby in the eyes and be able to go back to, to work or to school? And, you know, it was kind of, I don't know if hurtful was the word, but it kind of upset me and made me angry. Like, you know, no one's asking my spouse that, you know, mm-hmm. man, no one's asking him how he'll go back and continue to work. And it just really gendered parenting. So it's like the mom is the one that has to be at home with the baby was what was being communicated to me, even though it wasn't being explicitly said all the time. And the most surprising thing to me has been some of that unwanted, we'll call it advice. We'll, we'll stick with calling it advice, but that, that really hurtful advice or commentary or judgment really can come from some of the people that you care about most. Um, so I've found it really challenging to, in some ways, speak up and speak back when somebody, uh, says that to me, just because, you know, a stranger is one thing, but when it's somebody that's close to you, that's more challenging. Did you find that at all? Yeah, it was, it's kind of like the three tiers of, you know, someone who I don't know at all, it wouldn't really bother me as much. Um, Mm -hmm. someone who knew me a little bit, I'd be a little bit annoyed. And I actually feel like the people who are very close to me it was not surprising for them to hear. It's like, yeah, I intend to go back right after I give birth for them. They're like, that makes sense knowing you, like we wouldn't really expect anything different from you. So I think it was kind of that sweet spot of people who maybe weren't like my closest friends and family members, but I had known mm-hmm. for a while. It was kind of the like, Oh, maybe you don't know me as much as you think you do. <laughs> so, yeah. And how is it juggling things right now? Um, right now has been okay. I'm on my pediatrics rotation. So I feel like, you know, everyone's pretty understanding. Um, Mm -hmm. but what I will say is I've not had any problems at all with understanding in terms of like letting people know every four hours or so around then maybe a little before a little after I need to go pump. And Mm -hmm. everyone has been really great about helping me find somewhere comfortable. Like I hear the stories of people having to like pump in bathrooms or in closets. Uh, my educators have gone out of their way to make sure I have a a comfortable place, uh, a fridge to store my breast milk. I mean, like it's a small part of the day, but it's, ext- it's an extremely large part of the day for me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it means a lot to me that they've let me know that this is a priority for them too. And what are you doing about childcare? My partner is still work from home and my mom has been here all summer helping out. So it's, it's nice to know that, you know, he can get his work done and he has time with the baby. And then if he has mm-hmm. meetings or something he has to do, my mom is here to supplement and, you know, something we felt guilty about is if we're both studying or working, we want to make sure that our daughter is being engaged and getting educational materials and hitting all her, you know, developmental milestones. So being able to have someone kind of not entertain her, but really give her attention throughout the day when she needs it is really nice. Yes. What, what milestones are you thinking of or or where is she right now? I'm like, you can remind me, this is terrible. It makes me sound like with a second child, you're just not paying as much attention to them. But so it's funny because I really tried to keep like what I know from medical school and like my personal life separate. Mm. But my mother-in-law actually helped me. There's something called the CDC tracker app and you can put in your child's age and just kind of hit the check mark for the milestones they're hitting and that way, if there's any that they're behind on, you can kind of bring it up at your next pediatric appointment. So for me, that's helped me keep it like out of the 
constantly working part of my brain and just check the app if I want to see if she's hit all of her milestones for her age. So, Oh, wow. What a great tip. I'll have to, to check that out. What advice would you have for other moms who might be pregnant um, right now or thinking about having a family? Um, something that was really helpful for me, I was like my entire pregnancy, I was terrified. There are some people who when they're pregnant, they're extremely happy. They're able to celebrate the different landmarks of pregnancy. For me, it was just terrifying the whole time. Um, I went through a few miscarriages and we actually mm. can see through IVF. So when I did get pregnant, I was just constantly concerned that something would go wrong. So I, and that was my experience. But I've met so many moms in their first pregnancy or any pregnancy they've had, they're a little worried. And so I think I tell mm-hmm. people it's completely normal and common to be concerned and have worries. And just to, it's hard to be like super logical when you're hormonal, but mm-hmm. listen to the logic of your providers, try to enjoy the moments you can enjoy. Like when you hit the different trimesters or hit different time points of pregnancy, try to celebrate them and be optimistic and have things to look forward to. It's normal to worry, but also hold optimism in the other hand. That's beautiful advice. Do you think that worry made it like being a doctor, knowing so much of what you do, did that make your worry worse? I actually was just telling a friend about this. I think learning all of the things that can go wrong in health, that's kind of, I try not to let my mind always go there, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of naturally where your mind goes. You know, there are probably different disorders or illnesses that other people might not have ever heard of that I just learned about as a common part of my education. So I think I definitely was a lot more um, concerned. And that's why I say I try to keep like what's happening to me in my life and what I'm learning in school as separate as I can. And when it's time for me to be a patient, really just enjoy my ignorance, if that makes sense, and just let my provider tell me things and just take on the role as a patient. That seems like it would be really (laughs) challenging and hard to have that split, to have that split brain. Yeah, it's um, tough. Yeah, I can only imagine. I remember feeling that sense of worry. I feel like in the beginning when you can't feel the baby moving, right? Like you're constantly waiting for that to happen. And then once the baby starts moving, you can second guess and think, are they moving enough? How, yeah. how often have they moved today? It, it feels like there's just a constant opportunity i guess to to worry through throughout absolutely there's always something to worry about the days where you're like i I feel like they're moving less and then of course um i can't remember the names of them but the pains you get the random pains um like the ligament pains and so you just kind of had to take on the fact that you can have any random sensation and that just might be a normal part of pregnancy so that was very like is this a normal pain or is this something you'd be worried about but yeah and I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm processing what you were just saying about your, your journey to become pregnant. How was it going through fertility while also having this demanding schedule? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one of those instances where staying busy was nice because it was, I was able to stay distracted. Um, you know, IVF is kind of one of those things um, for, you know, in, in vitro fertilization, the process of bringing sperm and egg together outside of the body and making an embryo and then implanting it into uterus. So that whole process, it's at any stage, it can go one of many ways. So it's like, do we have enough eggs? Did the eggs fertilize? Um, Are the embryos viable? 
did the embryo take to the uterus? You know, there's all these steps where it can be like a success or trying again. And so it's also a lot of waiting. And so when I'd have to wait for the next step, I just kind of focus on my schoolwork. And then the schoolwork got stressful. I was like, okay, let me think about planning for IVF stuff. So I kind of, I guess, just tried to run away from <laughs> my, my worries with and distract myself with something else. So it was helpful for that. And it seems like you're very much a planner. Yes. Um, so how that process that you were talking about is sort of not knowing what to expect. Were there any, um, I guess, silver linings in that? I think that honestly, the whole process of um, going through multiple miscarriages and going through IVF for me, um, it really changed my life and that I am like very type A, felt me to like plan everything out, try to plan everything to the T. I really had no choice but to just let go. And even mm-hmm. when I was pregnant and I was not able to do certain things for myself because of like lack of energy, it was a chance for both my partner and I to realize how many things that I had just, not that he doesn't help, but that I just decided to take over and make my responsibility in our mm-hmm. relationship. And when he started helping out, I was like, wow, I was really like doing so much in terms of like finances and groceries and just like things around the house. And I really learned how to like let go of trying to control every aspect of everything and just being able to tell myself like, well, you know, my partner is in his thirties and he hasn't like, you know, died yet. And he's gotten through life up until this point. So I guess I can trust <laughs> him with a few things around the house and it doesn't have to be my way or the highway. So it really, I think that whole process really helped me. And there was one week where I just, I didn't, feel great. So I didn't go to lab at all. Like I told my PI, I was like, Hey, I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And I just spent the whole week at home in bed and like the world didn't stop. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, my projects are still going. No one, like, like no one was emailing me or calling me every day. Like, where are you? We need you to do this. And I think for me, it was a good, a good lesson to learn that I can take a break and the world's not going to stop. Well, and such a good lesson too, for becoming a mom, because yes. now you're definitely not <laughs> the the master of your own universe you uh, are no <laughs> at some the, the whim of a tiny human at yeah. any moment in yeah. in time i think i remember from your impressive bio that you also have an mls that was somehow <laughs> squeezed into yeah. that plan yeah so i actually yeah i have a master of studies of law with a focus in health law and policy and that was I don't want to say it was unplanned. It's something that I know I was a degree. I know I wanted to pursue for some time, but at some point I was like, Oh, I'll just do it in the future. Maybe during my medical residency or mm-hmm. when I finish and I'm a, I'm, you know, a professional and do a professional degree. And then I kind of found out that Wake Forest where I'm a student had an online program and um, it just kind of fed up with my timeline of, I would finish that the exact same time I finished my PhD. And, you know, I, my friends and family were kind of like, well, you, you are planning on becoming pregnant. Are you sure mm-hmm. that you can add something else? And I think that was my first lesson in if I can't necessarily not pursue something in my personal life for my career. And I can't not necessarily pursue something in my career because of my personal life. So it was around the time of my first embryo transfer and that one didn't take. So if I had not done the degree and then the embryo transfer didn't take, I would have some regrets about missing out on that academic opportunity. Um, Mm -hmm. And that really solidified, like, you know, I don't want to wait till I'm finished with school to have a child. I don't want to wait till I'm well into my parenthood to do certain things in my career. I 
want to do what I want to do all at the same time and I will make it work. And so that just kind of fell into line. I decided I would finish that up and be done with all my school at the same time. So. Wow. Yeah. That's reading your bio. That's when I was saying earlier that you're so inspiring. I was thinking, how, how did you do all of these things while also, you know, going through your pregnancy journey and then having your, your daughter. And another lesson I learned and it's, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with just asking for what I need. Um, having like uncommunicated expectations of your partner or of your employer or anyone is really tough. So just emailing my professors and letting them know like, Hey, I'm in your course this semester. I'm also Mm -hmm. defending my dissertation. I'm also expecting and baby can be born at virtually any time. So I'm not, I might need, or can I please have at some point, I'm going to ask for some extensions on assignments. Thank you for your understanding. So instead of saying, is it okay? Or I'm sorry that it's happening, saying this is what's going on with me. I'm going to be in your class. Please work with me. This is what I'm going to need. Thank you for helping me out. And everyone responded phenomenally to that. So really setting expectations Mm -hmm. rather than asking for permission. Uh, Have you heard of the book Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu? No, I haven't. It's this uh, fabulous book. And she talks about basically delegating asking for help and how she was this incredibly type A person who in her work or her personal life wanted things done her way. So I could very much relate to to reading uh, this story. And she talks about just how critical it is to ask for help and to offload some of those tasks. How do you, in all of the things that you're doing, how do you find time for yourself? Um, so that's, that's actually something that I'm working on. Uh, so something I do for fun is I build furniture. Um, and so that's something that people wouldn't expect. I think talking to me sometimes I'm incredibly introverted, like textbook definition of I need me time to recharge. Okay. Um, And one thing I do is I like to make stuff or like I built our dining room table. Um, my most recent project is I built a cabana in our backyard for us, like a day bed for us to lay on. Um, so just wow, <laughs> yeah, the whole process of like deciding what I want to build, either finding existing plans or modifying them or coming up with my own, deciding what I, like what materials I need to shop, kind of bouncing ideas off my spouse to see, you know, would you like this in our house? It's not really a question. It's how you feel about this being in our house. <laughs> what features would you enjoy? And then actually going and buying the things and put it together. It's kind of like a start to finish. It might take like a week or a couple of weeks, depending on how big the project is. But in the times where I'm working on that, it's kind of like my version of Sudoku. Like I'm working my brain. I'm trying to figure something out, but it's really fulfilling to me. So I really enjoy it. And Donovan, my partner and I, we have a blog. So we're working on our next few posts for the blog this week to kind of keep it up to date. What is the blog called? I have to follow it. Is it released or is it still yeah, yeah. in the, it's, in the it's works? up. Um, it's called the doctorslivingston.com and it's just kind of our, he just finished his PhD as well. So what it's been like to be both students, new parents, young professionals, just trying to figure out how to fit our very busy lives together and support each other. Perfect. I love it. I can't wait to follow along with your, your journey and, and continue learning from you. And thank you so much for spending time with me this thank afternoon. You. It was such a pleasure talking to you. We'll definitely keep in touch.
thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Garsh, and this is Work Like a Mother. I'm excited to share another amazing Working Mama story with you next week. But before I go, I have a quick favor to ask. Please help us spread the word by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for more working moms to discover our show. Thanks, and have a great week.